4: Uh, We're taking your calls, 877-996-6369. In the wake of the college football season being over, we now know definitively that the CBSSports.com article, which we talked about earlier this year, and I told you was total bunk, uh, that they guaranteed, the quote is unbelievable, uh, and I'm reading for it again, and I'm wondering why CBSSports.com isn't acknowledging that they got this completely wrong. I guarantee someone is going to die. If FBS football is played, that was a University of Illinois computer science professor that was the focal point of a CBSSports.com article that came out on June 30th of 2020 and helped to drive the idea that it was unsafe to play college football this fall. Furthermore, not only would someone die, but the FBS level would see three to seven deaths from covid from players playing of course we saw none we saw no serious hospitalizations a few of them could end up in the hospital and you'll have a small number who could die this uh, computer science uh, professor said I don't want to sugarcoat it for you I just want to give you the facts Uh, the facts meaning things that are 100% not true uh, which is the opposite of facts. Speaking of which, by the way, eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. I believe that CBS should come honest, come be honest with their audience and apologize for running this article featuring this expert who was a hundred percent wrong. Uh, another little story here. Uh, did you see this? Well, I'll do this story at the end of of the hour. Uh, fun story that's out there about uh, uh, about Dan Levitard and John Skipper, but I'll tease it for you here, and I'll talk about it a little bit at the end of the hour. Uh, Front Office Sports had an article up yesterday saying, former ESPN president John Skipper and personality Dan Lebitard are partnering on a politically progressive sports media company. The new venture is described as the strategic opposite of Clay Travis's outkick, sources told Front Office Sports. Uh, so I guess instead of being capitalist, they're going to be communist. Uh, well, that makes sense given the sports media uh, landscape right now. I'll talk about that a little bit more at the end of the hour. Uh, but first, we got a lot of people who want to weigh in. Catfish Jake is on our Outkick VIP. Uh, reminder, you can join uh, the crew, the huge Outkick VIP community. All you have to do is go sign up, outkick.com slash VIP. You get access to the front of the line whenever we open up phone lines. Catfish Jake, thanks for being an Outkick VIP.
5: Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, offering the service. It's pretty cool. I uh, yeah. appreciate it. And uh, two things, real quick. First of all, thanks to the guy in Ohio who's a veteran and a teacher. My wife's a teacher in Williamson County, um, and what they're doing right now is pretty remarkable. Yeah, He's let me let teacher. me cut
4: you off there. I want to. I live in an area of uh, the Nashville area, Williamson County. If you're familiar at all uh, with this region, it's uh, Franklin, Tennessee, which is just south, about 15 miles from uh, from Nashville, Tennessee. Our teachers here have been incredible. They've been open. We've had in-person learning. My kids are in public school. I feel incredibly thankful for all of the people who are involved in Williamson County schools uh, and have kept our schools open here. I've got a kindergartner and I've got a fourth grader who've been able to go in person uh, since school opened back up in August. They've done a fabulous job. The teachers have, the schools have, the school board has, keeping it open to such an extent that I'm not sure I'm ever going to move out of this county for the rest of my life. That's how proud I am of how well they've responded to COVID here in terms of keeping our kids in school, that I'm not sure legitimately whether I will ever leave this county that I live in now for the rest of my life. Uh, I'm so happy and thankful for what they've done. Sorry to cut you off, but I do think for a lot of places that are shut down out there, uh, there are a ton of teachers who have done what I think is the right thing, recognized what their kids need to be, which is in school, in person, fought hard to make it happen. It's not everybody, but the ones who have done it deserve all of our lasting commendation.
5: Yeah, I agree, I agree with you 100%. It's one of the reasons why we moved to Nolensville to get into Williamson County Schools. And, and mm-hmm. she was actually the Teacher of the Month in Williamson County last to, month. So
4: Thanks she, for everything she's, she's doing. She's doing a hell of a job.
5: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the other point is, I think the most irresponsible thing and the scariest thing about what Dennis Dodd did is what people do in the media now all over the place is their argument to what you're saying will be, well, we just didn't know. And instead of just saying we don't know, they make these crazy claims like people are going to die This many people are going to die based on nothing. They admit that they don't know. Saying you don't know and then saying something as outrageous as that is just inciting all kind of madness instead of just waiting for data to come out. It's based on nothing. It's not based on facts. It's based on somebody just trying to get a headline, and it's insane. And Those guys are incredibly irresponsible and should absolutely apologize and, and retract their statement.
4: Thank you. I appreciate the call. And What I would reinforce is this is intentional by the writer because sometimes people will say well that was the expert how could we have known that the expert was wrong you chose that expert because he gave you the worst possible forecast this guy your expert in quotation marks said three to seven FBS football players were going to die if the football season took place and he guaranteed that at least one would die June 30th 2020 You ran that article because of his guarantee. You chose the scariest, most fear-porn-laden prediction to lead with. And that makes your failure all the more substantial. You were dishonest with your audience. And you chose an expert, in quotation marks, who has now been proven to have been 100% wrong and you trumpeted his quotes in an effort to get the college football season canceled. That's what was going on. Don't in any way pretend anything else. I guarantee someone is going to die. That was the quote. I don't want to sugarcoat it for you. I just want to give you the facts. That's not a fact. Predicting that something is going to happen is the exact opposite of a fact. A fact is me coming on and saying Alabama won 52-24 in the national title game against Ohio State. That has happened. It is an incontrovertible truth that that was the score of the game. That is a fact. Me coming on and saying I believe Alabama will win or I believe Ohio State will win is a prediction. It's not a fact. The game hasn't happened. You can't quote somebody saying, I don't want to sugarcoat it for you. I just want to give you the facts and then say, I guarantee someone is going to die. That's not a fact. That's a prediction. That's an opinion. This is a failure, and I'm seeing it happen across media everywhere. I'm just using sports as the prism through which to see that failure. CBSSports.com lied to their audience, and they're hoping that all of you just forget about this. Now, opinions can be wrong. Okay, I'm in fact I'm not infallible. I mess up all the time. What I try to always tell you is my facts are going to be wrong, going to be right. My opinions are going to be sometimes right, sometimes wrong. Like every single one of you out there. Apologize when you get your facts wrong. You don't necessarily have to apologize for an opinion. Although, people out there who want to know, I've come on and said, hey, in the early days of COVID, back in March, I apologized to my audience for believing the data that was coming out of China and for trusting the World Health Organization and using the data that they were providing to lead to incorrect opinions. I trusted facts that were not actually worthy of being trusted. For that, I apologize to you. I shouldn't have trusted China in the early days of COVID. I shouldn't have trusted the World Health Organization. We now know that the information they all gave us was not accurate. And if you use inaccurate information, then your opinions are not going to be as accurate as they should be. So when I get things wrong like that, I came to you by April and I said, hey, this data was wrong. I believed it. I trusted the WHO. I trusted China. I shouldn't have done it. That's on me. That's what adults do. That's what Dennis Dodd should do. I should. Dennis Dodd should come out, write a piece, and say, you know what? I was 100% wrong. I believed that it was not safe to play college football this fall, and I was 100% wrong, and I sought out an expert, expert in quotation marks, who said, quote, I guarantee someone is going to die And then I don't want to sugarcoat it for you. I just want to give you the facts. And he said the facts were three to seven people were going to die. Again, that's not a fact. That's a prediction. That's an opinion. And it was 100% wrong. A lot of you want to weigh in. 877-996-6369. Dub, who's up next?
0: We got Joshua in Missouri.
4: Joshua, what you got for me?
0: Hey, Clay. Good morning, man. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to, you know, I don't want to piggyback off of what everybody else said because we're all basically saying the same thing. But one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone screws up or messes something up and they won't admit that they were wrong. Yeah. Um, Because that that shows me the ability to learn from something, you know, and and they're not going to print a retraction. They're not going to do that because that would, you know, have all their listeners uh, realizing that they're wrong about things and they don't want you to think that. They want the attention grabber to be, hey, read it here, you heard it here first, and Maybe we're right. Maybe we're wrong. And if we're wrong, you're never going to know about it. Um, <laughs> so, like everybody else has said, I, I listen to you every morning. I start my morning at 3 a.m. When you come on, I'm excited because the honesty factor is what um, you know makes me happy to listen. Because when you are wrong, you'll say, "Hey guys, look, I, I messed that up. I screwed that up." And and that gets so much more respect from people than. Oh, there's going to be three or four people that are going to die. I guarantee it. Well, it never happens, and we don't hear another word about it. That, I, I just can't respect somebody like that. So um, thank you for being Clay Travis and, and being honest and, and um, just doing what you do, man. I appreciate you.
4: Thanks. I appreciate the call. Look, I mean, I think that is – I value my relationship with my audience, all of you out there listening right now. The reason why I didn't take a day off – for months when we didn't have sports was because I know that just like uh, my guy there calling from Missouri, a lot of you start off your morning with me and I try to be as honest as I possibly can with you every single day for three hours a day. Doesn't mean you're always going to agree with me. Doesn't mean that I'm going to get everything hundred percent right. But when I get something wrong, I come on and I tell you and that to me is not a sign of, uh, of the fact that, that I can't be trusted To me, if people aren't regularly looking at their opinions and coming on and saying, hey, maybe I got that a little bit wrong. Maybe that data's wrong. I care about my opinions, but I care about my facts way more because an opinion can't be valid if it's rooted in failed facts. And so, I mean, that is to me the very essence of what I do. And the analogy that I've made that I think a lot of you get is, if I come on and I tell you hey, I don't think the Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl this year. I don't think Tom Brady's going to beat Drew Brees in the game down in New Orleans. They've already lost twice this year. We know that, right? The Saints have beaten the Bucks twice in the NFC South. But if I said the reason why I don't think Tom Brady's going to win the Super Bowl this year is cuz he's never won the Super Bowl before, you might agree with my conclusion, but you should trust my opinion less. Because we know Tom Brady has won six Super Bowls already, and he's been to nine of them. So if I tell you I don't think Brady's going to win the Super Bowl this year because he's never won the Super Bowl before, you might agree with me, hey, I don't like the Bucs. I like the Saints better. I like the Packers. I like the Chiefs. I like the Bills. I like the Ravens. There's a lot of different teams out there you could pick to win the Super Bowl right now with eight teams remaining. But if I get a basic fact like that wrong, which you know You should trust me less, even though you might have the same opinion as me. One of the things that troubles me about America today is people will support someone who has the same final opinion as them, even if the data by which they get there isn't supported by facts. Your opinion is only as good as the facts upon which it is based. Who's up next, Dub?
0: We got Matt in Phoenix.
4: Matt, what you got for me?
6: Yeah, hey, I think it, it goes beyond just uh, getting an article wrong. I think it goes to the point of uh, a misuse of the First Amendment to the point where in that situation, it was like somebody going into a theater and screaming fire. Yeah. People lost were hurt mentally, emotionally, financially. And beyond that, even which is even worse, is the next time there is something serious and people come out and start saying you need to be careful, nobody will listen. I think you're That's right. That's what makes it dangerous. They need to be sanctioned or fined or something needs to be done where the next person that thinks about doing this takes a second thought and says, well, maybe I shouldn't do this. I could get in trouble.
4: Thanks for calling. I don't know about sanction or fines. I think just being honest with your audience. Right? If you're cbssports.com and you published this expert who was 100% wrong now that the season is over, you should have to come back and say, we got this wrong. We're sorry. Here's why we got it wrong. Why did you pick that expert? Why did you give him the opportunity to come on your forum and get things 100% wrong to such an extent that that guy was instrumental in almost getting college football canceled? Every single college commissioner in the country read that article and was terrified that they were going to be accused of having blood on their hands if a player died because of COVID. Didn't even come close to happening, but the fear was out there and it was magnified by that article. Who's up next, Dub?
0: Last one here. We got Joe in Arkansas.
4: Joe in Arkansas. What you got
6: for me, my man? Hey, man, it's Sir crack y'all I'm Jonesboro, man. I tell you what, you're well-known around here for sure because the ticket comes on at 7 and you'll be losing here and tell they love you. And one of the things they do love you about, they love you. you don't have all this filthy mouth. These people love you around here. You love, They love your bluntness. But in our news around here, that's all they talk about, the Kobe Queens, what I call them. It's all COVID numbers around here on our news all the time. Our schools are having a, a case, and we're sending 25 and 30 kids home to quarantine with that one person.
4: Yeah, that,
6: that is – Clay, so. I want to say something to you. What you're talking about on this subject, I'm, you know, me being a driver of 20 years be married to a nurse 30 years, it's just one of them things. I say to my wife every night before I leave, honey, I'm going to have a wreck night. I won't be coming home. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen anymore in the world, but don't get on there and tell everybody, well, we're going to have a bunch of people die today because of COVID. We want y'all to know that ahead of time. You don't say stuff like that. You've got a lot of people running here right now. I see all these mass murders. I call them every night and then, all these masks everywhere I stop at. And it's crazy, Clay. These people are not figuring out what's going on. Yes, there's people dying, yes. But all the sports played, you're not hearing very many cases where people is actually
1: dying.
4: Thank you for the and call. I'm, yeah, thank you for the call. Look, here's what I would say. Think about how often you hear... Athlete has tested positive for COVID. Been a story for a year almost now. You never hear athlete has virtually no symptoms, comes back to play 100% fine. Right? That's been the story every single where. Athlete tests positive, pro athletes, college athletes. Athlete comes back, completes the season. Zero issues. Right? I mean, the story of testing positive, big story. They come back, play perfectly fine, have zero issues, nobody talks about it. I just, I, the number of high school kids who didn't get to play sports this fall makes me sick. The number of high school kids who are not going to get to play sports this spring makes me sick. The number of kids that are not in school still legitimately makes me sick to the pit of my stomach and. It's because of people like CBSSports.com using sports as a prism through which to look at our larger context. If they can get sports canceled, they can get school canceled, right? If you can play sports, then school can be open. Sports is the wedge that allows normalcy to return. That's what we've been arguing for a long time, and the data, re- rest- the data reflects that for young people, people should be back at school, back at sports. Everybody should be playing. And by the way, I'm living this myself. My son's in two basketball leagues playing right now. We're signed up for baseball. We had flag football this fall. We had soccer this fall. All my kids are playing sports in addition to being in school. That's what we got to do.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
2: TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
4: We bring in Shannon Spake, at Shannon Spake on Twitter. Shannon, you're finished traveling with the NFL, but I don't know that we've talked about this. How much of a success story is it for college football to complete its season, crown a champion, Alabama 13-0, and 0, and for the NFL, knock on wood, it appears to be set to have its four divisional round playoff games, Uh, that are taking place on Saturday and Sunday, completely on schedule. Again, I say knock on wood. It doesn't appear there are any major COVID issues right now for those eight teams that are remaining, the elite eight of the NFL. If we get those games in on Saturday and Sunday, which all indications are would occur, then we're down to two teams uh, that will advance to the Super Bowl. The AFC and the NFC Championship game will be played. Four teams in total. Like, this is a remarkable achievement that I feel like is not getting enough attention for the NFL not only to have played its season, but to have played its season in totality and to be completely on normal schedule is one of the great accomplishments, I think, in sports history.
1: Yeah, if you would have told me eight months ago that we would have finished not only the the NFL season but the college football season, the NBA season, the Major League Baseball, the NASCAR, everything, right? I mean, NHL coming back today, by the everything. way. Everything. I mean, we were in such a state of uh, unknowns and fear, and everyone hiding in their homes. And and yes, absolutely. I mean, in Clay, I was you know right there, a part of it all. It was it was so drastically different this year. The players on the field, even watching the national championship with the lack of fans in there and, and you know i I still am friends with uh, Alabama. Um, SIDs and PR folks, and so you know, I send out a quick text to them and let them know congratulations. And the first thing that they said back to me was just that they were so proud because of everything that the kids had done. Right? Because the kids had to buy in; they're the ones that had to make this happen. And it was a very different year. Th- these kids are in college, you know they're they're supposed to be going out, having a good time, hanging with their friends, doing all of these things that college kids do. And all of that stuff had to stop in, 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 for, for football, for, for the bigger picture. And I just think, and, and you know, look, even, even what Ohio State went through, all of the uncertainty that they went through, not even know if they were going to have a season, canceling games, mo- I mean, all of the stuff that they went through. I don't know how I would have handled that at 19, 20 years old. In terms of just kind of checking out and saying nobody else wants us to get this done, so why do we want to get this done? But they stayed focused.
4: I talked with this about my. I talked with this about with my wife about how you know we're now adults, right? For in quotation marks, right? Um, but I, I'm amazed at, like the number of the amount of discipline that these college kids show because if you think about it, we had a babysitter over the other day and she just finished her senior year last year. And she now is a freshman in college. I think that's probably the worst age to have to be experiencing COVID. Because if you think about in your own high school experience and everybody out there, imagine what March to May to June is like for your senior year of high school, typically for anybody out there who's listening to us. It is a transformative moment in your life, prom, decisions on where you might be going to college, graduation from high school, what your plans are going forward in life. In the last time that you will be as a high school student in your life, your senior year, those are some of the most important moments of your life to say nothing of if you're playing basketball, if you're playing soccer, if you're playing sports, whatever they might be in that spring calendar, trying to finish that off, right? And then then you go into your – let's say you go away to your freshman year of college. Usually your freshman year of college, for anybody out there who's fortunate enough to get to go to college – is such a transformative moment in your life as well as you enter into adulthood, come to grips with what the rest of your life might be like and experience the challenges of being a freshman in college. Their experiences for senior year of high school and freshman year of college are totally different than anybody throughout all of American history. And yet, many of those kids are able to handle that And she was an example, you know, like she was saying, she was going back to to college. She goes to college in the Midwest in Chicago. And she said, yeah, when I get back to college, I have to stay in my dorm room for 10 days and not leave to quarantine before I'm allowed to do anything at all on campus. And I'm just thinking, think about how awful dorm rooms are for most people. And you're stuck inside one of those tiny little dorm rooms for 10 days where you can't even go outside. I mean, I think we're totally underrating the insanity that we are putting our young people through.
1: See, you sit here and say it might—it's a bad thing for these kids to be quarantined. I'm thinking that well, might—you probably a would have me, been good right? to be quarantined. It would have helped <laughs> exactly. your GPA. Exactly. Like I can't go to the bars Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday when I'm freshman in college. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's completely different. And you think about like these poor kids that are seniors. They didn't get to have their prom. They didn't get to walk across the stage. You know, they're they're having you know cars parade outside their home. That's their that's their graduation. It's it's very odd everything. And and I agree with you. The things that the kids have experience. I couldn't imagine my kids being a senior high school, freshman in college, or even at like a you know, towards the end of their career, you know, you're trying to start your career and, and now you're doing Zoom meetings. You can't go into these interviews. You yeah. can't you can't I mean you can't start life. You know, I, I know Howard Stern talks about it so much so much. I know you and I both listen to him about, you know, young musicians coming up who can't go to restaurants and bars and play right now. It's comedians it stop everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean even I mean, my kids even my kids, you know, this year, we, we look at this year as like a throwaway year. I mean, they're in a different school because we decided to do that. You know, financially, we didn't want to get locked into a tuition if there was going to be virtual because then we would have to get a tutor. And it's kind of like a throwaway year because everything is so different, and I don't know how much they're really learning in the classroom because there are so many uh, uncertainties as we continue to move forward into 2021.
4: You know, I talked to a teacher um this was this was a little while ago, um, and uh, and he was an AP teacher. He taught AP history, and uh, in in a relatively poor school district. And for people out there who are not familiar with the AP history plan, the idea with AP advanced placement. Is that kids can get college credit while they're still in high school? Did you you
1: say that for me? Are you uh, yeah yeah? I'm
4: I'm letting you know out there. Uh, So (laughs) uh, so these are the kids that have been working the hardest. By the time they get to their junior and senior years of high school, uh, they then take an exam at the end of the year. And and what he told me was, I mean, it was really just flat out heartbreaking. He said the number of kids that he teaches that have access to reliable Wi-Fi is Mm -hmm. minuscule. He he taught in a rural area uh, that did not have, it was a low-income, relatively speaking, community. And he's like, man, these kids have been busting their butts for years to be able to get into these AP courses. And he said, people say, well, well, you just got to teach them remotely. He said, you know, I've got kids showing up at 7 a.m. to sit in the parking lot of a McDonald's on a uh, highly unreliable laptop that they might have if they're fortunate enough to have a laptop to be able to try to get logged into class. And I just, it is is infuriating to me that we have so many people out there obsessed supposedly with equality and making sure that everybody has an equal chance going forward, and yet we've pulled the poorest kids out of school, the kids without Wi-Fi at home, the kids without laptops, the kids without parents who are able to help them. And we have basically taken away a year of schooling from them that they will never be able to recover for the rest of their lives. We are going to be paying the consequences from shutting down our schools and not allowing kids to be in person for the rest of these kids' lives. Many of them will never catch up, right? You talk about a kid who in sixth or seventh grade, uh, or God forbid, you know, kindergarten or first grade, when they're learning how to read, these kids, I mean, there are there are kids out there that are never going to achieve anywhere near their academic potential because we shut down schools.
1: I and cannot It's like even nobody imagine. is even nobody mm-hmm. is
4: even talking about this, Shan. Like this, there's all this social justice warrior talk and all this, you know, oh, we've got to make sure that we that we mandate equality in this country and and all these different things. And all these athletes are sp- sp- supposed to be, you know, role models and speaking out. I haven't heard a single athlete come out and say, Hey, we got to make sure that every kid's in school. So I, be, told, I mean, it's crazy yeah, to me.
1: I've told you many times I was not a great student. I could not imagine if I had to do virtual learning, it would be, I, there's no way that I would graduate on time, you know, cause I was a kid like kind of showing up doing my homework, you know, before school, you know, when we walked in, you know, looking off other people, like that's how I did my homework. But that was because I was never taught. Like I didn't, I pretty much raised myself. My mom worked three jobs. We didn't have that guidance. We did not have someone kind of showing us what we should have done at a very young age. So that was where I was. I was not a great student. I cannot even imagine if I had to rely on myself, sixteen, seventeen years old, to for a computer. Yeah, there's there's no way I would have been set back so far. And not only that, but but athletics, because I've said I've said to you before, swimming is what kept me on a straight line. Swimming is what kept me moving forward and set goals for myself for the future and ultimately it's what helped me end up where I am today in terms of everything in my life and so if I couldn't do that because swimming was canceled or sports were canceled so there's so many things that these poor and you think about kids that can't eat they don't that that's their one school lunch school breakfast yes we go to a public school right now, they offer free lunch, free lunch and free breakfast, and that's like the one place that some of these kids are able to eat. There's so many long-term effects that we have no clue what's going to happen. You, you think about kids that are in abusive homes, that like, that is their one, that's their one outlet is to go to school. and Yeah, to, to go sports, that's their family. It's, it's tragic when you think about it from that level.
4: And it's just wild to me that, look, if you're fortunate enough to be able to afford private school, a lot of private schools are open. If you're Mm -hmm. fortunate enough to be able to afford uh, tutoring for your kids, there's a lot of people who are doing this pod system to allow their kids to continue to be educated. If you're fortunate enough to have a parent who's able to stay home and work with you, Wi-Fi, reliable internet, computers that work, all of those things are rarities for many people in our country, yet I hear nobody talking about them. And I keep using sports as the prism. You were just talking about swimming for you, uh, Shannon. Everybody out there listening to me right now, knows kids it might have been you might have been somebody that you're friends with who stayed eligible at school for sports right like they Mm -hmm. had to get their grade to be able to play football or basketball or soccer or whatever it was that's what they lived for while they were in school and the hope is that eventually the light bulb comes on and you recognize hey i'm gonna have to use this brain to make a living Mm -hmm. and but in the meantime sports help to drive you to get that education and we're just yanking that safety net completely out from underneath everybody
1: yeah, it's uh, yeah, you know, we talked about this many times, Clay, and, and that it's it's so sad and so scary. I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a fine balance, you know, because I I do know. I mean, we just had a we just had a, a gym teacher in this area, 40 something years old, died of COVID. You know, and I know 99 percent of the people are surviving. And then you get that one story. Thankfully, our our school has been open, just like I heard you say earlier in the show that you're that your your district yeah, has been open. I'm very, has, I, I
4: thank God that our school districts are open
1: we go a mile down the road though in mecklenburg county which is like the major county for charlotte they're not yeah, they're still doing right. virtual or half and half and and we just had a um we just had a bulletin come out uh, i think yesterday here in the mecklenburg area that says like it, it, we have all these rules now where we have to stay in between this time and this time and uh yeah but thankfully the sports have still been open my kids dive and swim and so they're still doing that And they're still in school and they go to school every day and it's very different for them as well but they're adapting but I do feel I feel worse for those high school kids all those kids that are that are trying to start their lives and trying to form their lives somehow
4: yeah and it's also crazy like you just mentioned Mecklenburg County which is Charlotte Davidson County Mm -hmm. is Nashville we're not far from the county line I was a public school kid K through 12 in Nashville City Mm -hmm. Schools those kids aren't able to go to school right now So, I mean, you're talking about the line, the difference, as if, like, there's some massive difference in COVID from, you know, like, you know, it's not like COVID can see the county line, right? You know, like, and so on one county side, kids are able to go to school. I'm betting that the county that you're in, the kids are probably more affluent. The kids are more affluent in my county school. So they already have advantages. And then we're magnifying those advantages by those kids being able to go to school in person, play sports, be able to live their lives. And the kids that are less advantaged are not being able to go to school. It's the exact opposite of what equality should be. The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. It should be a major issue, yet nobody's talking about it.
1: Nope. And, you know, they're getting, I mean, our school, thankfully, like me, kids are only in sixth, fifth grade, so they're able to get laptops. And if you don't have one and Chromebooks and all this stuff and they send it home. But, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the Mecklenburg, the high schools, it's so overcrowded as it is in this area. Like, just like I said, one mile down the road that a lot of those kids are not logging on. You hear all of these stories. Um, so it's, um, it's certainly, it's certainly going to be interesting as we see it move forward. But I, you know, I know Danny G told you I wanted to talk over the whole time, right?
4: And <laughs> <this>. Exactly <laughs> what he said. We'll talk to you next week. We had week. a
1: great weekend of football, didn't we? Didn't we play? We I mean, did. <laughs> we did
4: have an incredible weekend of football. I'm fired up about it. we have
1: 32 days to the Daytona 500. So how about that? that
4: that's pretty <laughs> fantastic. I'll talk to you about that next week. We'll be down to the AFC and the <laughs> NFC championship game. That's Shannon Spake. Oh my goodness. Uh, this is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, I, I mentioned I was going to talk about this. I'm reading from front office sports. Um, and sometimes, I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting the amount of news stories that I am mentioned in now. Um, I almost need like a clip service to keep me appraised of everything that everybody's saying. But the headline is uh, John Skipper, who's the former president of ESPN, Dan Levitard's progressive response to OutKick. Uh, so, uh, Dan Lebitard and John Skipper, here's the opening paragraph. Former ESPN president John Skipper and personality Dan Lebitard are partnering on a politically progressive sports media company. The new venture is described as the strategic opposite of Clay Travis's outkick, sources told Front Office Sports. So, I guess they will be communists as opposed to my capitalist. But... I think probably I should be flattered by this because Outkick is dominating on so many different levels that there are now media companies that are making decisions based on our success. And certainly as a uh, as a person who owns a business, I welcome other people who decide to start sports media companies. But is there a demand in the marketplace for a more left-wing version of sports than ESPN? The reason why OutKick works is because ESPN has gone so woke and so far left-wing. Is there really an opening for a further left-wing version of ESPN? It's already a knife fight in the woke community to see who is the wokest. And now having a left-wing sports property is going to make that even more so. Quickly around the horn, should I be flattered that they're basing their entire business model on me? It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, Yeah, it raises your
3: stock. I mean, anytime you're mentioned like that, it's good.
4: I mean, literally the opening pair, the headline. The headline, John Skipper, Dan Levitard's progressive response to Outkick. Opening paragraph, former ESPN president John Skipper and personality Dan Levitard are partnering on a politically progressive sports media company. The new venture is described as the strategic opposite of Clay Travis's Outkick. So they'll be opposed to the First Amendment and capitalism. Uh, We are in favor of First Amendment and capitalism at, at Outkick. So I wish them well. Dub, should I be flattered?
0: I think he might have a crush on you, Clay.
4: I think they might. I mean, I'm kind of a lovable person. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, not so much. Eddie, would you have ever believed when Outkick started that people would be basing their businesses on Outkick now? Well, I guess so, actually, if you put it that way. Um, this has been very successful for you, and, and yeah, I could see – I mean, you built this up from from nothing, from scratch, and now it is what it is. But I, I'm reading the article that you were just reading from, and I saw the name Jamel Hill and Bamani Jones. I'm like, oh, they're going to get all the failures from ESPN. <laughs> all the people that ESPN and, fired yeah, for failing, Dan uh, Levitard's going to And gonna that's bring. what they're going to build this on. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't make sense to me that you would take the people who already the marketplace has said, we don't like this person – and now you're going to give them, theoretically, lots of money or equity, bring them in to run as a part of the company, and it's probably going to fail again. Uh, I, di- I just don't get it. Good luck to them. Uh, and by the way, if you want to be with a winner, you should be without kick. Uh, who they're basing their entire business model on according to uh, to Front Office Sports. We come back third hour. Joe Kinsey, one of my writers at the wildly successful now being uh, modeled after OutKick will join us. Uh, and we will also dive into uh, the NFL and college football playoffs and the Thunderdome next on OutKick. This is OutKick the coverage with Clay Travis. Oh, oh.
6: If you dare.